Realistically, and look, there were other senior executives who left the organisation before me, and it did take them longer than that. They may have had sort of short-term consulting opportunities come their way, but I just sincerely wish she said, it's going to take a lot longer than you think. Set your expectations that it's going to take longer than you think. So I was, and again, naively perhaps, I really attached myself to this, well, three or four months is quite a long time in my view, so... Okay, well, I'm going to give myself a bit of time off to start my studies, go on a family holiday, have Christmas. Then when I get back, it'll be another three or four months and that'll be amazing. And, you know, I was very fortunate that I had a great redundancy package, but I would have been far more prudent with that money had someone said to me, it's going to take a lot longer than you think. I'm Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. If you are a senior executive listening to this show, or if you one day want to advance in your career to become a senior executive, then Amber's experience job hunting as a senior executive is an important one for you to listen to. In this episode, we are going to revisit my conversation with Amber Knight, a senior communications executive who has worked for the BBC and the Walt Disney Company. In March 2019, Disney purchased the film and TV assets held by 21st Century Fox for $71 billion. This was an enormous deal, and it reverberated down the company's structure. In fact, it is to be expected that mergers and acquisitions will result in restructures, which means redundancies. And therefore, Amber and her team left Disney towards the end of 2019, and her unemployment was prolonged and impacted by the pandemic during 2020. This is a topic that we discussed a few times, especially during the last episodes of 2021. So if you're interested in long-term unemployment, please listen to episode 108 and 109, and I will have the links to those two episodes in the show notes. You can search for the show notes and find those links below. Amber has been a huge supporter of this podcast, writing about it and praising it in her LinkedIn posts. And that's what caught my attention. And then I invited her to be a guest and share her experience, which she was making it public anyway on LinkedIn. And she accepted to come and talk to us. And afterwards, she also participated in the 2021 February Job Hunting Made Simple online course and group coaching program. She was one of the participants of that program then. And I felt like this was a great time for us to revisit that conversation because I am soon reopening registrations for the 2022 Job Hunting Made Simple online course and group coaching program. If you want to do some research about it and find out more about it, you can register for my free Job Hunting Masterclass that's happening on the 1st and the 2nd of February. The times, details and link to register will be in the episode show notes below. You can also find out more about it on my website, renatabernardi.com or on any of my social media platforms. If you are already a newsletter subscriber, please check your inbox because I will have already sent you the details and I look forward to seeing you there. The masterclass this year will be huge. I will have guests. I will have critical advice and tips for corporate job hunting in 2022 and beyond. 
I am always really ambitious for all the programs that I put together. But this year, it's above and beyond. And I hope to share uh, with you as much information and the best possible information that I know you will not find anywhere else. Because that is my motto and my promise to you. I don't want to waste your time explaining to you what you already know. My goal is always to make the most out of your valuable time and share only information that can be a game changer for your career success. So link in the bio below and I hope to see you there. Now, without further ado, here is my interview with Amber Knight and it's a revisit and I hope you enjoy it. And next week, I will have a brand new episode for you. It's the beginning of 2022's job hunting podcast season and we have a whole bunch of new episodes coming up. So stay tuned and keep listening. Hi, Renata. It's so nice to see you again. Likewise. Just mm-hmm. want to know how you're doing. Yeah, no, I've been um, really well. Sort of glad to get the year started again. It felt like a very long summer holiday. And I think that's perhaps after a year at home, you know, at the end of a busy year being out and about, you're craving that time to just be at home and then to have your summer holiday at home. I was very much looking forward to everyone getting back to business as usual, I guess, or as usual as it can be in a pandemic. I I wanted to, first of all, thank you so much for the fact that you've been mentioning the podcast on LinkedIn. And this is like, there's no amount of words to say how much I appreciate it. It's so important to me that somebody else is talking about it and not me. (laughs) You have no idea. Like it's. (laughs) I can't even remember how I came across your podcast, but I do remember I was walking along and I was searching podcasts and I, I was looking at the Apple podcast app and it came up and I went, oh my God, that looks amazing. And I listened to it and I think it might have been your interview with Anita Zima Mm. who's amazing and who I had sort of met via a job opportunity that Slade were representing and I was really impressed with her and I thought oh okay and I listened to it and I just went oh my god what an incredible resource and it's free and it and I went to your website and I just then I just obsessively listened to them and I just think that what you're doing is just a really great sort of independent resource that's available to everyone. And I know you do um, one-on-one executive coaching and you, you have lots of, you know, I guess, strings to your bow. Just in in the, the year that was 2020 and lots of people doing myself were job hunting and it felt very desperate. For me anyway, at that time, it just felt like a, a bit of a life raft, a, a calm voice. A very, you know, a sensible voice. Like I said in my comment, in my sort of listicle, it's like it's like your your best friend and a mentor and your favorite teacher all in one. Thank you so much. Look, I, that's exactly what I wanted to convey on the podcast, and mm. so I and sort of it really made me really um, happy and quite emotional when I read it. I'm like, oh, it's resonating, and you know, yeah. writing about it. So it really is special to me. And this week, I posted the first one for 2021. And, uh, you know, it's a labor of love. It's really time consuming just to get Mm. it all organized. But it's also the way that I personally catch up with my network and make Mm. new friends. Some people I, you know, didn't know, uh, like Susan Hunter reached out, Gleb reached out. So those are great new connections for me as well. But most of them, it's just great to connect with people. Yeah. 
and have instead of having a yeah. private conversation, having a conversation that other people can listen into as well. So that's you know it's great. Okay, so why why don't we start uh, with you telling us about your career? Tell okay. everybody listening what you do and and your career so far. Okay, so my I've worked in media and entertainment for most of my career. And I've been so incredibly fortunate to worked and respected and arguably successful media and entertainment companies. So the last eight years or until September 2019, um, I was with the Walt Disney Company. And prior to that, I was working for the BBC um, and working for the commercial part of the, the BBC. And in both of those roles, I was involved in um, program and film distribution. So essentially negotiating negotiating rights to distribute films and television content to broadcasters and platforms here in Australia. And also during my tenure at both of those organisations, I had the opportunity to work in more of a, a broader sort of brand guardianship roles. So my skill set, I suppose, there's a commercial element, then there's also um, that, that marketing element. And prior to that, um, I worked in advertising I worked in agencies in account management. And prior to that, ironically enough, I graduated university in the last recession that Australia endured, the recession we had to have. So in many ways, I feel like I've come full circle because I graduated into a really, really tight job market. And in, I guess, a regional city, I went to university in Adelaide and I was fortunate I got a role straight out of university, but it was with a company called British Airways because there's a lot of defence industry in Adelaide. We, we just wanted jobs. It didn't matter who it was with, what it was doing. Um, and I was there for a year and then my role was made redundant. So I that I guess that was my, my one and only other experience of redundancy was pretty much straight out of university. And then from there, I moved to Sydney and with many more choices, I, I just got really lucky and fell into advertising. And then I left advertising and, and did a course at the Australian Film, Television and Radio School and was, again, was incredibly lucky and got a job at the BBC and had a very long successful and happy stint there and from there went to work for Disney and in September 2019 my role was made redundant at Disney when Disney merged or acquired Rupert Murdoch's 21st Century Fox asset and with almost all mergers two plus two doesn't equal four and usually it equals 2.5 and so myself and my team were made redundant so I found myself at the end of September I've been made redundant I was re- extremely philosophical about it I, I thought this is a great opportunity I decided to do I was going to do an MBA and I was only going to do it part-time that's what I'd planned to do and so I started my MBA studies and really enjoyed that and I'd sort of given myself permission to take the summer off and I would start actively and aggressively job hunting in the February. We were, we went on a family holiday to Japan and almost as soon as we got home, the pandemic hit and that together with the way in which the television and entertainment industry is being disrupted by streamers and really just sort of through what I had previously up in the air and I felt very adrift and untethered and I think that was um, when I come upon your podcast and I'd consulted I'd had a conversation with another career coach and and I'd received this advice before that it was about networking and I had been networking 
during that time that I knew I was going to be made redundant. And I already had a, a very robust network. And then with COVID, I just, I didn't know what to do. And I think I explained to you that it just felt like a maths problem I didn't know how to solve, you know, because I had all this experience. I wasn't a university graduate anymore. You know, I'd had a wealth of experience in in recently senior roles and had been extremely lucky in in getting new roles and and being promoted within organisations. And then to find, and look, you know, I'm not Robinson Crusoe, but yeah, it was just a, a brave new world where, you know, one of those situations where I think the previous thinking had been, if you don't, even if you don't fit all the job criteria, but you're 80% there, you know, kind of by 10 people who could 100% meet the job criteria. So that made it all the more difficult to pivot. And yes, during that time, I felt incredibly unstable and untethered and kind of didn't know what I knew anymore. Like I felt like I don't, I don't know anything about job hunting. <laughs> I think a lot of listeners and professionals will relate to that if they were, mm. you know, uh, in between jobs like you were. How did you job hunt? What did you then do once you got over the shock of, you know, the pandemic and how everything was turning upside down? Yeah. And did it. So tell yes. me how your routine was like. What What is it that you did? Okay. So I did everything wrong. Like I... <laughs> I was, and, and you know, I have to admit, I'm sometimes guilty of this today. Well, I think it's like any social media platform. It was just like this sick addiction that I didn't regulate and would be constantly looking at the same jobs over and over again. And it felt like a, a pointless hamster wheel. LinkedIn's an amazing platform, but it just felt to me in coming from quite a vulnerable place, like lots of people humble bragging and, and me just, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. And I was just constantly comparing myself to all these people who were still gainfully employed and, and doing great things and for whom I'm genuinely happy for. But it just, you know, in terms of your mental health, spending hours a day on LinkedIn is just, is not a good thing. So, and, and you know, I, I was still networking and, and certain opportunities came up and I would be given the opportunity to um, have conversations with people or even interview with people. Uh, and of course, I pursued those. I think job hunting is a combination of a couple of things or success in job hunting. I think it's a numbers game. Um, I think there's heaps and heaps of luck involved and, and networking is critical. And I think what was made has made my job search also challenging is that the industry that I work in is changing really, really quickly. So, and because it's ad supported, much of it in a challenged economic environment, there were just, you know, the number of opportunities were diminished. In terms of search and, and yep. those platforms, like you said, it's it's a double-edged sword because mm. you have to look at them, but then you get addicted to them. Yes, <laughs> yes. Seek and LinkedIn mostly, or were there other platforms that you were using as well to? No, Seek and LinkedIn. I, I mean, I think most, if, if you're going to post a job to those platforms, they tend to go to, to all of them. I, I, I looked a bit on Indeed, but that, that seemed to have the same roles. Yeah. I certainly didn't discover anything on one that wasn't on the other. So, yes, I think LinkedIn and Seek were probably the main ones. 
Okay. At those early days when you were actively looking, what was your routine like? You know, you said you were networking, you were applying for mm. jobs. Was that something that you would, you know, sitting down and doing every day or was it something that you had to squeeze in in between, you know, taking care of kids? Because it was really uh, a tumultuous time with kids mm. uh, working, studying at mm. home and mm. lockdown. How were you able to fit everything in? And also you were doing your MBA as well. Yes, I, I'm a real early bird, so I enjoy getting up early and I'm more productive in the morning. So I was getting up very early to study. So I'd get up early and I'd do a couple of hours of study and then I would do, um, I would search those job sites and earmark roles that I was, so save roles that I was, was going to apply for, intended to apply for, and then, you know, family house stuff. And then later in the afternoon, I'd return to my desk either to both study some more and then work on my CV and letters of, applic uh, of application uh, and, and reaching out to people. I did a few networking meetings over the Zoom, not a lot. I, I certainly stayed in touch with people via messaging services and email, but I didn't didn't really network over Zoom. It was just keeping in touch with people. And once things opened up a bit more, the intention was that I would I'd set up face-to-face -face meetings then. And have, have you moved into setting up face-to-face? -face? Did you end yes. up those? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've had... Um, And one of the things that I really appreciated, one of the tools that I know that you share on your website is, and which I think is a really great guideline, is a way to structure your day when you're job hunting because it can feel so incredibly aimless. And that timetable is just a really great guide. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know you were using it. Okay, good. The yeah, yeah, yeah. job search. Yeah, and I and I really appreciate the way that you've structured it to incorporate people who might my my children are a bit older and and can sort of fend for themselves. I don't need to fix some meals and supervise their homework, but. You know, there's, there's, you, I think you provide three options, yeah. which I think, you know, you might not adhere to religiously, but it's a really great guide to go, okay, all right, that's, you know, stick it to your, your wall or in your diary and yeah. that's how I'm going to structure my day. And I think that's, um, that's a really great tool. So that worked for you. What else did you think worked for you? I mean, if you look back and you think, okay, now these things are quite good ideas and I could see myself doing them again. Yeah. I certainly during the lockdown period, I lent very heavily into my own meditation practice. Mm. And that is because I'm the sort of person who's in my head. And it, during that time, I think we we're all in our heads much more than usual. Um, so I really kind of doubled down on my meditation practice and, and just really looking after myself, um, exercising, I think taking care of my mental health and, and mm -hmm. exercise is a, a critical part of that because job hunting can be a real mind game because it's it can feel incredibly personal. You know, you apply for something and you might be perfect and you've done three interviews and at the end of the day, you're not the one. 
And you go, why aren't I the one? And my experience has been that feedback can be pretty ropey or non-existent. So I don't ask for it anymore. Well, I do ask for it, but I don't ask for it expecting anything useful to come back because my experience has been that nothing useful has come back. (laughs) I can see that that's a major frustration for you and to many others, um, Mm. the lack of feedback once Mm. you are not chosen to take on the job or you know, even you know going from one stage to the next in the selection mm. process mm. what are the frustrations can you pinpoint in this whole recruitment and selection process because you've you've gone through a couple of rounds were there other things that you didn't expect to annoy you but they have I'll give you an example from my yeah. My, my background, I tend I tend to get really invested in applying for a specific role. Mm. And I knew I had to have a plan B and a plan C and look at other jobs and, you know, mm. send, you know, a couple more applications, especially because, you know, you're a senior executive. I was applying for senior roles and these roles take a very long time to yes. um, go through the whole process of selecting a candidate. And I, it really frustrated me that I had to <laughs> apply for other roles since yeah. I was like a favorite and I didn't want to yes. self too thinly. I didn't want to, you know, because it takes a lot of energy, doesn't it, to apply yes. for roles and yes. research and all of that. I'll mention another frustration of mine is the amount of IP that I have given away during mm. um, uh, the the interviewing process because if you're applying for senior exec roles you usually have to do presentations and and I'm like okay this is a lot of I you know and and I can yes. see in some cases I've been around long enough to say that yes they have used some of my ideas yeah I'm okay with that but I find it frustrating. Yes, yes, exactly. And particularly when you're, I guess you come second, you know, it's like mm-hmm. they really loved you, you're a great cultural fit, but yes. it's like, okay, well, I just gave them a 100-day plan. Yes, yes, so, um, me for that, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, I think for me that the big ones, and and again, this is there's a lot of self-management involved and part of that is you know, when you are a great fit and you you initially get lots of really positive feedback and I I future cast and I go and I creatively visualise myself in the role and what I'm going to do and how it's going to be and, and then you don't get it and you're like, oh, okay, right, I hadn't creatively visualised that. So it's just tempering my own enthusiasm, I think, um, is something that I, I need to do. And I think the other thing that sometimes, and look, you don't know what you don't know when you start this process, having been gainfully employed for many, many years. So as part of my redundancy, I was with a big multinational, as you know, and I was given an outplacement package with a big international firm and I was given one of the senior consultants who was the person looking after me and, I don't know, maybe naively I said, so how long do you reckon it will take me to get a job? And bearing in mind this was September 2019 pre-pandemic and she very casually, very confidently said three to four months. And I kind of banked that. I went, okay, yeah, okay, take me three to four months. and. 
I can't tell you how much I wished. And I was listening to um, your podcast today, actually, Renata, on the train, and you said that it takes a long time and it takes longer than you think. And I really wish you'd said to me, and I've spoken to other people since and their experiences echoed my own, is that it can take two years. Maybe it can take two years. And with that, armed with that information, there are lots of things I would have done differently. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, and it's criminal. Yes. And I hate yeah. saying this because, you know, the it seems like I'm criticizing my competition, but I have gone through outplacement as well. And mm. uh, most, I would say 50% of the clients that I have have gone through outplacement still are working with me regardless. And mm. Things I hear are really disheartening. I have to um, say though that before COVID, we didn't expect COVID. No, so, and, but but mm. even before COVID, we wouldn't say that. We, you know, you shouldn't say that to a candidate. I think yeah. realistically, and look, there were other senior executives who left the organisation before me, and it did take them longer than that. They may have had sort of short-term consulting opportunities come their way, but I just sincerely wish she said, it's going to take a lot longer than you think. Yes. And you set your expectations that it's going to take longer than you think. So I was, and again, naively perhaps, I really attached myself to this, well, three or four months is quite a long time in my view. So, okay, well, I'm going to give myself a bit of time off to start my studies, go on a family holiday, have Christmas. Then when I get back, it'll be another three or four months and that'll be amazing. And, you know, I was very fortunate in that I had a great redundancy package, but I would have been far more prudent with that money had someone said to me, it's going to take a lot longer than you think. Have you done the Reset Your Career program that I have? The Reset Your Career is an on-demand program now that we have like masterclasses that I've done with, you mentioned Anita Zima before, with the team at Yes, yes. I think I signed up for it, but I think I was in the middle of delivering big projects for uni. So I didn't, I don't, I don't think I tuned in or maybe I tuned in for the first one, but then wasn't able to make the others. Look, I would recommend you go back and do at least the first masterclass before you do the job hunting made simple. I think you're really going to enjoy it because it was Mm. uh, recorded live with the Slade team. So we have Mm. recruiters panel and we have a few masterclasses from me. And my first masterclass is called Reset Your Career. Mm. And it's designed for people that have just been made redundant or Mm. people that are, you know, those people that have jobs, but can't stand their jobs anymore. Yes. Yes. They cannot wait to resign. I have a a few clients that booked consultations with me at the end of last year because they were resigning. They were going to resign. I stand it anymore. You know, this happened at the end of the year because you're so stressed out. And Mm. that um, conversation in this masterclass is really to bring about some truths and some mm. misconceptions and some myths and, mm. and the one about how long it takes is a big one. Yeah. Understanding how it can financially uh, impact you when you're looking for work mm. uh, is really important. So, okay, so those those frustrations, yeah, I can relate to them. What about the recruitment and selection process? You mentioned the lack of feedback, but you went through mm. interviews as well. And 
you know, all of them, I assuming, have been through Zoom. Am I right? Or did you have any face-to-face last year? I, yeah, no, I did have a face-to-face. Okay. Um, well, Sydney, there yeah. you go. Yeah, just the one. Yes, some of them were uh, pre-recorded videos, which I found really strange. How did that, co- how is a pre-record, oh, you had to pre-record the video. Yes, okay. Yes, and, and there's there's technology, there was one role in particular, and I, I think it was, you know, you've made it through, I've sent in my CV and a covering letter it was via Seek, and obviously I'd made their first round, and so they said the next round is to do this video video interview but the interview is kind of with a bot it's not actually with a human person um and you have no prior knowledge of the questions they kind of serve to you and that was so bizarre I felt deeply uncomfortable yeah <laughs> yeah that was that was very very strange how did you practice for that or did you practice for that yes I practice they give you a practice thing but I just found it on the day because you don't know what the questions are either so they give you a go of using the video technology but yeah I don't I didn't present I know I, I wouldn't have presented my best self via that video interview and kind so of, for those listening um, I'm gonna add a link to the episode show notes but LinkedIn has a great application only jobs to um, help professionals practice for for questions that are um, straight to camera. Mm. And they have an artificial intelligence body thingy that analyzes Mm. your videos and gives you feedback. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Dozens of questions. So they have some generic questions and then they have questions that are uh, specific for uh, different types of professionals. So, you know, marketing professionals or finance professionals. So there's there's quite a lot, a big library of questions uh, on LinkedIn. And you record it and they analyze it using their bot. And okay. I, I'm a big fan. I, I'm not a big fan of the resume builder on LinkedIn. If people are listening, mm. I don't like it, just so you know. <laughs> a lot of coaches don't like that. Uh, and not because we, you know, we do resumes ourselves, but because it just doesn't look good. Yeah. But the um, interviewing um, body thingy is pretty, pretty spectacular, I think. Okay. So, you know, this is great because it addresses this question that I had for you in terms of the lost time, you know, had you had good mentoring and coaching at the beginning of your redundancy, you would have done things differently, potentially. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's why I say you don't know what you don't know, you know. <laughs> um, it sounds really obvious, but it's kind of not. And particularly when, you know, you've had lots of experience but I had had no experience between roles, really, yeah. and not for many, many years. And I, you know, maybe it's one of those things, just shopping around. I was provided with this outplacement service. They were kind of pitched as, you know, they're an international group. And I thought that I was receiving a blue chip service. And that's not to say it was all bad, but I just, yeah, I just, I feel like there are a lot of, home truths that weren't really I don't know just weren't addressed a lot of fundamentals and look I don't know whether that was my own arrogance in thinking oh well I'm a, you know I'm a senior executive and I'll be fine and something will come along and I've got a robust network and but just you know for someone to go right okay we're gonna we're gonna really forensically look at your LinkedIn profile 
or you need to go away and do a mind map. You know, I was essentially given a booklet, here, work through this. I had, you know, a one-hour consult once a fortnight, which, and, and again, maybe it's just I didn't know the questions to ask. You know, you don't know what you don't know. and yeah. and It's such a good point. Yeah. And that's why as soon as I found your podcast, I shared it with my network because my team, all of my team had lost, had been made redundant as well. They're at different stages in their career, but there were so many, it was just so helpful that I wanted to share it with them and anyone else who, either, like you say, was looking because it just felt to me there were lots of home truths uncovered that... Good, I'm glad. I hadn't, which this, you know, the outplacement company either didn't address or, yeah, I don't know. You didn't know how to ask. So they yeah. couldn't address, but you didn't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about your situation now. Where are okay, you? so I uh, picked up a part-time role with a small independent video production company looking after their business development and marketing. And it's two days a week, which is fantastic. And I think more than anything else, it's you know just a really great hands-on opportunity. They're a small business and they're looking to grow. Mm-hmm. And they, the founders are both incredibly talented, creative people, but and have done a great job growing their business to date, but they, you know, their children are off at school now. And so they want to, I guess, take it to the next level and weren't really sure how to do that. And so I came on board and just said, okay, before we do anything else, it's really, let's look at your purpose and who you are and, and, and look at your mission statement and what you want to achieve. And really, so we got very granular in that, which was, which they needed to do and which was really rewarding for me to be a part of and guide them through. Mm-hmm. And we pulled together a strategic plan for 2021, which we're we're putting into place now that that the sort of business is back up and running. So that's been that's been a really great thing for me to do. And I pulled together an SEO strategy for them and you know PR strategy. And I've been leveraging my network of contacts to to really get them out there. They've relied almost entirely on word of mouth, which is the best way to to get new business. But given they need to grow uh, and that's their ambition, then um, that's what I'm doing now. But it is part-time and whilst it's amazing to have something to do and to be doing something meaningful, it's not my ideal situation. I do want to have a full-time role. And so I continue to network and I continue my job search. What would be the dream solution for you? So if you could, you know, choose how 2021 ends, yeah. what would what would that look like for you? Well, you know, it's funny you should ask that because it feels like it's such a process job hunting, Renata. And I know that when you start, people ask you questions like that. Now, what do you want? And that changes. Yes. Your your experience of job hunting changes. So I have worked in big multinationals for a long, long time, have had the most amazing experiences um, a person could have and have loved every minute of my time in those organizations. But, you know, I reflect now and I think, do I want to work for a big multinational again? And I'm not sure that I do. Mm-hmm. If it was the right role, I think for me at this stage, 
and I and I'm not ruling anything out, but it would be all about the management and the purpose of the role. In addition to the part-time job that I I spoke about before, a couple of potential opportunities have come my way where I've been providing advice on script development for a couple of TV series. Uh-huh. And at this stage, it's unpaid. We've perhaps potential for that to turn into, I don't know, a retainer or a share of a distribution back end or a consulting fee. But those opportunities have come about because of some of the networking I've done. You know, people used to say to me all the time, which again, actually, this is one of my frustrations, Renata, was people would say, well, you should become a consultant. Uh-huh. And I think, how the fuck do you become a consultant? Like, how do you, what do you do? You go, hey, I'm a consultant. Can I do some consulting for you? Like, I just, people would throw it out there like it was the easiest thing in the world to do. And I just thought, well, I suppose I could, but I don't know how. And I didn't know who to talk to about it or how, how do you even do that? So yeah. that seemed like a really, it seemed like a bit of a throwaway line, maybe for someone, but by other people, for someone at my career stage yeah. to say, oh, you should, you should consult. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know what that it's means. Mate. <laughs> but then as a result of the networking that I've done, a couple of opportunities, potential, because they haven't realised themselves fully yet, have come along and they've been, they're really interesting. I can add some value and I'm also learning along the way. So that's kind of, I guess, turned my eye a bit. I've gone, oh, okay, well, maybe that's a thing. Yeah. And maybe I can, you know, this portfolio career, maybe I could do that. I hadn't considered that before. And I think that sometimes it's almost like when you raise children, you know, like I know you've got kids and you might have one child who you just say, now, please don't touch that. It's hot. And they go, okay, mum, I'm not going to touch it because it's hot and I might burn myself. Then you have another child, and this is certainly <laughs> my experience, who goes, yeah, I know you've told me it's hot, but I want to find out for myself and that's how I'm going to learn. And yeah. they touch it and they go, oh, it's hot. I've burned myself. Yeah. And yeah. I think that has been, I, 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 like I said, I didn't know what, I don't know what I don't know. And it's all sort of unfolding in front of me and around me. And I'm, I feel like I'm doing, I've got the tent poles of the things I need to be doing. So I'm networking, I'm talking to people. I've worked with you on my LinkedIn profile. And that's mm-hmm. something that I am mindful that I need to tweak regularly. And I do, and I go in and I check on it and I try and post to LinkedIn with things that I think are going to be interesting to my network and relevant and, you know, yeah. feed the algorithm, which unfortunately is a thing. And and I apply for the things that are suitable. I'm not, I don't apply for everything, you know, I'm not one of those job seekers that just sends out 50 job applications every day, just like a machine gun oh. approach. Um, so I think the kind of the temp poles are there. And then it's, so this is a really long way of answering your question about what would the end of 2021 look like. I don't have a view of exactly what it would look like, but it would see me, I suppose, doing something I'm good at and I enjoy and I'm being financially rewarded for. Excellent. So, you know, you're going to be doing the job hunting made simple with me. And I think that the benefit of doing that, it's it, it's going to bring all of that together into a framework for you. Because my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, like when I listen to you, you have all of these learnings from putting, having put your hand in the fire last year, <laughs> mm, yeah. and all of these 
wisdom that you've collected and a, a better idea of, you know, what it takes to get your next job. But it's all floating around in your head and mm. what the job hunting made simple framework does it sort of place every piece of the puzzle into its place and in order mm-hmm. so that we go through a step-by-step process that tends to work for my clients so I'm pretty confident that that it will work for you too fantastic so some, some of the things that you've mentioned so for example how do you become a consultant Mm. and, you know, what to do about that and how, Mm. you know, what is a portfolio career? So we're going to have Jacinta Willen, who is an expert in portfolio careers, coming in to do a special masterclass. So that's a bonus Mm -hmm. in addition to what I provide. So she will do Mm -hmm. that. We have my long-term friend and coach and mentor, Sue Zablet, will come in and talk about the importance of the first 90 days in a new job. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted Sue to do this because this is her expertise mm-hmm. um, helping uh, executives step into new roles. But because the first 90 days will be possibly very different from 2019 and many of mm. my clients and the people that I expect will sign up for the job hunting made simple have been out of work for the entire COVID time. So Sue is going to address that and in just putting some sort of framework around that, your pitch and how you're going to identify the mechanisms to get you this new role Mm. and also move forward with the rest of your career. Mm-hmm. This has been, you know, really important for you, but you will see how important it is now in terms of how mature you will be when you're actually making plans for the future now. Yeah. Can you see how how much more mature you will be, much wiser you will be when you're making your plans? I, I have a feeling it will be very different from the plans that you would have done back in 2019. Yes. Yes, and I love the idea of a framework. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm all about frameworks. So. Yeah, no, I love the idea of a framework because it, job hunting, like, and again, I've said this to you, just feels like a knotty mess and a like a puzzle that's yes solvable. Like you know, it's yes, if I, it an feels impossible like, sum. <laughs> I agree, and and it's so structured for the other side. You know, if you think about yes. how positions are advertised, and you know, the podcast this week is all about giving the job candidates more awareness about what goes Mm. on the other side of the field. But you have strategists and HR managers and the Mm. actual manager for the role you're applying for and an HR consultant, a recruiter, all of them looking for you, the candidate. So a whole team involved and everybody knows what's going on. And the candidates have no clue what's going on most of the time, right? Yes. Even if internal candidates looking for a promotion, they're just sitting there and waiting forever. And they have no idea why it takes so bloody long for things to happen. And, And I think that that is a real bias and and it's a real um, systemic issue with the structure of recruitment and selection of people. So yeah. um, much about making professionals aware of the problem, aware of the challenge and how what it takes and sometimes even how long it takes. And the fact that you really need to invest uh, in your career every now and then for it to keep on providing you with income. Mm. <laughs> and, 
and happiness too, because it, you know, sometimes you go on and on and on without even realizing that you're extremely unhappy with what you're doing every day and mm. making a toll. Doesn't seem to be the case with you, but you know, sometimes people tell me, oh, thank goodness I was made redundant. I was hating what I was doing anyway. Yeah. So that's another issue that, you know, some some people can use the redundancy to address as well. So, yeah. All right, my friend, anything else you would like to share with other job hunters all around the world? Ideas, tips, inspiration? (laughs) (laughs) I think you just, you really need to... And it's, and it's far easier said than done, particularly if you work in a small industry and it's people within your network, but it's not personal. And I, I know that I think I read you might have commented on something that someone said in LinkedIn, you know, if you don't get that job, you know, you might feel a bit, get a bit down in the dumps or whatever, wallow in it. And I think it's perfectly fine to wallow in it. But I think it's also really useful to maybe have a more sort of philosophical view of it. And, you know, maybe in not getting the job, that was exactly the right thing. Maybe you dodged a bullet. I know that I missed out on a role that I I ticked every single box. I was the perfect candidate and ended up I wasn't the perfect candidate because they didn't select me and I was heartbroken and then I kind of had to allow myself to be heartbroken for a bit and then step back and go you know what maybe I dodged a bullet maybe that wasn't the perfect role for me maybe I would have I could have taken that role and then been really unhappy in it and I think that would be worse you know to to be in a role and feel trapped and be desperately unhappy. So there's no way to know, Amber. It's that sliding door. Yes, exactly. Movie with Gwyneth Paltrow that breaks my heart. I don't watch it anymore because <laughs> the ending yeah. is so terrible. And uh, so that's that's why I'd say I, I have to remind myself that it's a, a numbers game and there's so much luck involved. You know, you could have, you can meet someone or, you know, you can apply for a role and you meet someone and you do your Zoom call if you're lucky, if you're somewhere where you can do it face-to-face and they they see what you have to offer and they want it and you go, that was incredible, I'm it's meant to be. And other times you do your best singing and dancing and you have all the right answers and there's just not that connection. You just know, I've got off. Zoom calls and gone, yeah, no, she doesn't like me or he doesn't like me. He's yeah. he doesn't get me or I'm he doesn't like the cut of my jib. I just know. Yeah. And I go, well, that's okay. Yeah. I'm not for them. They're not for me. There is a lot of that and it's mm. it, a lot of uh, humble pie eating when you're job hunting because yeah. as I was explaining to a client I was talking to earlier today, many times when I've been in the uh, recruiting and I did not choose my favorite candidate and it broke my heart. Sometimes mm. you have a favorite candidate and you really like that candidate, but you choose the other one. And that's because there's more at stake than me making a personal choice. Mm. If you have gone all the way to the end together with one or two other candidates, rest assured that you all have a reason to be there and you would all possibly very well perform that role. But the choice is made because of the fit with, in my case, for example, you know, is this person going to fit with the team? Is it, is the, how is the the set of skills and experience complementing the ones that I already have? If, if the team is very small and there's a lot of duplication of experience and skills, then I need to actually diversify. And if the other candidate has a slightly diverse 
set of skills from the ones that my team already has, then that's what I need. Mm. So, you know, you have to make those very tough decisions at the end. And that's really what you're calling luck. I'm actually call I actually call it more of a strategic decision. And also from a candidate's perspective, uh, in, in, in terms of numbers game, I look at coincidences to form patterns. So you have to play the numbers game so that you have enough sample to mm. actually look back and, and, and reflect and review what you've done and say, okay, why is it that it's not converting? Where is the bottleneck in here? And mm. how are we going to then remove this bottleneck. So um, until you play the game and you have a few failures behind you and a few successes, right? So you know you've succeeded in converting from a conversation to an interview or from an application to a conversation. Wherever you have stopped in the process, that's your bottleneck and that's what needs to be addressed. Yeah. And then go on from there. So that's where you start making your luck is when you're strategic about looking backwards and identifying where you're getting stuck and then being very efficient at focusing on on where you're getting stuck and and moving that along so that you move to the next stage and the next stage mm, mm. that's what we're going to work on yeah well that like, again all of that having that framework is so useful and you know like I almost think it's the sort of stuff that needs to be taught in school <laughs> Oh, at some well, point. There are some people doing that better these days. Um, yeah. With career counseling at school. Yeah. There are some people I'm following, even on LinkedIn, that are doing amazing jobs with uh, young professionals and teenagers. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes refer people back to them because I only see more mature professionals. So, yeah. Yeah. I think. There's a lot of lot of resources around building your CV or doing a cover letter, but it's having that framework that takes you through the entire process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is what makes your service so unique and so valuable. Yeah, and I think with the group coach coaching that you're going to be offering and currently are offering, just that much more accessible. And and to your earlier point, you know, having a career coach is is a is a luxury, and and for some people, you know, it's a necessary luxury. But depending on your financial circumstances, that just it mightn't be an option for you. But having something that is at a price point that you go, okay, yep, I, I understand and I can see the value there. And look, and for anyone, who, if they just simply don't have that sort of money, the, the free resources you have on your website are fantastic as well. The fact the podcast exists and you now have a back catalogue for people to consume is fantastic. Thank you, Amber. You're very kind and it's wonderful <laughs> to have you on board. Thank you so much for joining the podcast and I will see you soon. Bye.